0: Wicked Yankee Laughs, I'm your host for today's comedy podcast, Bucky Lewis, where we take a look at the behind-the-scenes comedy of people and why they laugh. With me is my special co-host, <laughs> you always laugh at that, don't you?
1: Tom yes. Hayes. Tom, how are you? Oh, fantastic. It's a beautiful Sunday, and uh, we're moving closer to spring, so it's very exciting. I think uh, even though it's cold, spring is... Is promised. This week is a really
0: particularly fun one for me because, and for you for that matter, because we both cut our teeth on comedy by watching and listening to other comedians that inspired us. This week, we are focusing on Irish comedians. Being
1: half Irish, half Italian, the, the Italian side was uh, amazing in terms of the way they celebrated the big holidays, Christmas. And we had an uncle who had the same birth date as I do, and he was the family comedian and always had jokes. In fact, when he started, many times my father would tell us we had to leave the room because many of them were (laughs) escape. And he told me, he taught my brother and me, he says, no matter who tells you the joke, no matter how many times you've heard it, listen, because you may find a trick or or an accent or just some way that they deliver the the joke that will add to your next presentation. And so I've always done that.
0: Well, it's it's about the ear of the timing, right? I mean, you stop and think about it. it. Is so you you're half Irish and half Italian, so you didn't
1: know whether or not to get drunk or get lucky. <laughs> 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 well, that's well put. I never heard it like that. I heard it was like uh, you 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 order a pizza and you forget to pick it up. You know, <laughs> it's it's funny. You
0: know, I I love. I, I was cut on the same cloth. I mean, I would listen to. These great comedians and the one-liners and the jokes that they would do, rapid fire stuff. I think that's what was the genesis of all of New England's happy hours and comedy down on the Cape where the Irish guys would come in like Billy Carson and they would start getting up in front of people, you know, fresh off the boat from Ireland and they would just get people mad with humor and laughter.
1: Yeah, especially the accent, the, the brogue, the lilt, you know, that beautiful thing. I did a lot of corporate impersonations. going as an imposter. And the character that got me that way was an Irish character. And it was such a learning process because, first of all, I was so afraid that they would catch on that this was an imposter situation. But they didn't. They never did. And I couldn't believe they actually bought the character. So it was an education. So I went from doing it for like five minutes and then revealing who I was, to doing it for the complete hour. At the end, I would reveal myself. And people would actually come up afterward and go, which one are you, the American or or are you Irish? (laughs) But I found that in that character, I could get away with so much that I would be crucified for as an American. Well, we talked about that last
0: week. It was the same thing with the big guys of comedy, the overweight guys that made people feel at ease. And I think Brogue is the same shtick that way.
1: The way I entered show business was of course with magic. And one of the things that amazed me was the way that a magic trick, a simple parlor magic trick would break the ice. People let their guard down. You you opened yourself to them, same way we do with comedy. We're trying to make this bridge to have fun, to let us know who we are on a different dimension.
0: Well, we certainly have struck a chord here with what we're doing with comedy. People need to laugh nowadays. What we're doing is curating these great shows on comedians and what makes people laugh. So this week, we tried to come up with some Irish comedians that really are the essence of Ireland, but also have some kind of connection to New England. And one of those, of course, is Rocky King, who played at the Sandbar down in West Dennis, for 54 years imagine that 54 years
1: incredible career
0: yeah incredible career and his big line was drink up and be somebody lay something on the bar other than your elbow right that that kind of thing why do you think that irish comedians are so associated with drinking Well, when, right? <laughs> when,
1: when, when PC came in, there was a kid, Barry something from New York, and he had been on evening at the improv, et cetera. And when that huge comedy connection opened up in Faneuil Hall, he was there one night and I went to see him. And, oh, my God, he went off, he said, because the political correctness was coming in. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't be offensive because we all know it's true. You know, the Irish don't drink and it's wrong to point that out. <laughs> and he said, yeah. and, and blacks don't talk in movies. That doesn't happen. And, and he said, and, 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 the, and the Asians the they're great drivers. We all know that. <laughs> one, of, one of the best lines
0: that I would use on stage would be, how many Irish people do we have here tonight?" Of course, illustrious hands go up. But as soon as they do, it's like, uh, oh, we almost have enough for a parade.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a great bit. <laughs> yeah. So did you ever meet Rocky King? Oh, yeah. You know, he... I would found him in college. Well, first of all, I'd never seen anything like it. You know, I was just turning 21, was able to get into a bar, and never saw a place where a guy played piano and told jokes and fantastic jokes first of all the atmosphere it was some of his albums i was out on a sandbar and that's what it really was it was out on a sandbar in west dennis in the middle of the summer you know with the breezes summer evening breezes coming across that and there's this little lighted a lot of times there was a line to get in you sat down in this cottage and it wasn't even insulated it was just a little summer shack it was a small place yeah oh tiny and there was an upstairs if you were you got to sit downstairs and a lot of times I'd sit right in front of that piano would be right in front of him. He'd play the show tunes and boogie woogie. He was great at boogie woogie. Yeah, he was. He'd get that joint just rolling with this boogie woogie music and then go into a show tune and then stand up and start his jokes. And how? Because I was going to school at the time,
0: and I found out on Cape Cod there was a guy named John Morgan who was raking in big bucks every day for doing happy hours. But that you look at the genesis of happy hours on the Cape, it was the Irish guys, it was Rocky King, it was Billy Carson, it was Tommy Makem from the Clancy right. Brothers, was from New Hampshire, uh, lived in Dover. I mean, he, he lived there from an early age. And he just went on to do all these great rollicking Irish songs. That piano bar thing that just took over New England. Tom Lehrer working wow. in colleges and places like that, right? It just a, It was a dynamic of playing music and then stopping all of a sudden
1: and then doing a joke. Yeah. And, and nobody could act it out. I mean, we, you mentioned earlier today, geez, I, I have footage of him, but the guy was, it wasn't complimentary. He was such bad, he could barely stand up. And I laughed because that was, that was all an act. Uh, when he did the, the drunk parts. Oh, I want to, can I do one of his favorite? Yeah, please do. Okay. He says, uh, so a guy goes into the bar and he says... Uh, to yells out to the <laughs> yells out to the entire bar so everybody can hear uh, <laughs> i'll give i'll give 50 bucks to any any woman in the place who'll do it my way and the bartender comes over and says hey hey buddy you know this is a respectable establishment you can't do any you know that's 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 not the place and time for this i'm gonna have to throw you out of here so before he can this this chick raises her hand and she walks over to him and, and he says what's up she says i'm interested so they go off into the night they go to a hotel room and they have a fantastic time and finally at the end of it hours of just incredible pleasure she finally says to him well that's amazing she says but what's what's your way and he goes on credit (laughs) (laughs) you
0: know it's funny that's what i learned most succinctly was i learned timing from these guys because they knew exactly what they were doing billy carson on the guitar uh, John Morgan could play, I don't know, five or six chords, but he just could sell it with his face and his yeah. timing, right? It's all about that. And with a name like that, and you do the Irish drinking songs, so many of them, it just was fantastic. The first guy we're going to listen to here is, is probably the one that personifies Irish comedy the best. His name is Hal Roach, and he called himself the King of Blarney. 60 years he spent in the business of making people laugh. Let's listen to a bit from Hal Roach.
2: in the church the other night and father murphy was in great form in the pulpit. he stood up there he gave us hell fire and brimstone the lot he frightened the life out of us he really did he said stand up all those who want to go to heaven of course we all stood up immediately he said sit down and we all sat down (laughs) now he said stand up all those who want to go to hell nobody stood up except flanagan (laughs) in the middle of the church and father murphy said flanagan do you want to go to hell Flanagan said, no, Father, he said, but I didn't like to see you stand there by yourself. <laughs> this fellow Flanagan is walking down the street in County Kerry in Bally David, the, on the lovely beach in Bally David, and he's got his front door under his arm. And Casey met him and said, Flanagan, where are you going with the front door? And Flanagan said, I lost the key. <laughs> And Casey said, well, you had better not lose the door, or you won't be able to get in. And Flanagan said, it doesn't matter, I left the window open.
0: (laughs) I'd have to lie down. (laughs) There's something disarming, isn't there, Tom, with an Irish brogue like that?
1: It's hypnotic because, first of all, I, we spoke a little earlier the fact that I had a preconception of the Irish from growing up in Boston, which was Irish-Americans, tough, tough. There was nothing endearing about an American (laughs) Irishman or an Irish-American. They were arrogant. Uh, They had a certain personality that appealed to a certain type. But when I got to Ireland, I found out they were totally different they were just so nice everybody was nice and they couldn't understand the sense of arrogance that or the, the chip on the shoulder that a lot of them irish americans had and it, i think what happened in the crossing those were the people who left because of the famine and had to come here and they dealt with the Irish need not apply thing right. and then rose to the top politically. You know, they, they developed an edge. They were angry.
0: The reason that our series here is so important is because we do try to break down these things that make people laugh. This next bit is by a guy that, again, some of these people here that we're dealing with and featuring today are, they're not quite totally Irish, but they have some great skills sc- about the Irish. This next one is by a guy, believe it or not, who was in The monkeys. His his name was Michael Nesmith. Wow. And he ultimately went out. His mother invented Whiteout. And wow. He went out and he was the one that originally created MTV. Wow. He had a bunch of videos that were hilarious. This one, I think, is from his video called The Elephant Parts. This is before MTV came out. This is called the Irish Language Lab. Let's listen.
3: Irish Language Lab. Lesson one. Listen and repeat. Repeat. Top of the morning, Toya. Uh, top of the morning. Very mo- good. My, what fine looking potatoes. Uh, my, what Very fine- good. Does the meal come with potatoes? Does the meal come with... Very good. Slow down. Does the suit come with potatoes? The suit come with potatoes. Very good. Does the bride come with potatoes? Does the bride come with potatoes? Very good. Thank you. Lesson two. Conversation. In this conversation, you'll play the part of Paddy, and I'll play the part of Mikey. Mikey. Respond when you hear the beep that sounds like this. Beep. Well, Paddy, top of the morning to you, how might you be feeling this fine morning? Oh, what a lovely-looking sack of potatoes you've got there. Where might you be going with those potatoes, anyways? Down Kilarny way, I would imagine. What do you say we walk together, you and me? Oh, I suppose you want me to carry that big, heavy sack of potatoes for you. Is that your idea of a good time? You'll be carrying no potatoes oh. at all, and me be carrying two big bushel baskets like I'm some kind of an ass or a mule or something. You sitting up there in that high house of yours, eating potatoes, Julianne, every night, taking baths in that fancy green soap you get from America. Me and my family scraping and starving. Listen to those sheep, how hungry they are. And another thing, those things you've been saying about me mother and the goat done by the bog. I don't like those things funny. My mother's a decent Irish woman. And even if she does like to carve little anatomically correct figures out of the potatoes and watch them old and wrinkly in the sun, just like a wrinkled up old self, it's none of your concern. If you be keeping it up, I'm going to bait in your head with my big shillelagh stick. What do you think of that?
1: Uh... Patrick, Patrick, now I know you've lost your senses Why didn't you tell me the dog was Catholic? (laughs) (laughs) I
0: got one for you (laughs) Michael and O'Flaherty are sitting in a boat fishing And Michael says to O'Flaherty, says O'Flaherty, why do you suppose that when scuba divers go in the water They always manage to fall in backwards? O'Flaherty says Well, you stupid idiot. If they fell forward, they'd still be in the friggin'.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is a great joke. That's a great joke. You know, Bucky, just if you told that, if we told that in in our accents, our normal accents, it wouldn't be funny.
0: No, it wouldn't. Next example, I think we're going to take from Robin Williams. Whose mother was Scottish. His great great grandfather, believe it or not, was the governor of Mississippi, straight out of Scotland. So he came up with this great Scottish golf joke. Let's listen in.
4: I whack a whack ball and go that goes in a gopher hole. <laughs> oh, you mean like croquet? <laughs> fuck croquet! <laughs> I put the whole hundreds of yards away! <laughs> oh, fuck out of the It's be fun! Yeah, yeah, that's a great thing. Oh, like a bowling thing. Fuck no! Not straight, I put shit in the way. Like trees and bushes and high glass, so you can lose your fucking ball and go whacking away with a fucking tire iron. Whacking away, and each time you miss, you feel like you're gonna have a stroke. Fuck, that's what we'll call it. A stroke, because every time you miss, you feel like you're gonna fucking die. Oh great! Oh, and here's a bit of back? Oh fuck, this is brilliant. Right near the end, I'll put a flat piece with a little flag to give you fucking hope. <laughs> but then I'll put a pool and a sandbox to fuck with your ball
5: again.
4: I'll <laughs> oh, be there trashing your ass, jerking away in the sand. <laughs> oh, and you do this one time? Fuck no! <laughs> 18 fucking times!
0: Another crazy half-Irishman was from Cambridge, Mass., or I think he was born in Winchester, Mass., His name was Frankie Fontaine. Does that ring a bell?
1: Oh, God, yeah. Wasn't he on the Jackie Gleason show?
0: Yeah, he played the Crazy Guggenheim on the Jackie Gleason show. And I think he paved the way for people like Foster Brooks and other people for his drunk routine. Because Jackie Gleason was the bartender on that scene. Ended every show with the bar scene. And Crazy Guggenheim would come out. He was half French and half Irish. The reason I mentioned Frankie Fontaine is because I remember as a kid, I worked with him twice. And he just would come out and slay the audience. He did the same thing as Rocky King. He swayed back and forth and pretended he was drunk. And sometimes, who knows, right?
1: Yeah, well, that's true too. Well, you know, that wasn't that said about Dean Martin and, and those guys? That... Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
5: I'm glad I won the swift take. That's how it happened anyway. I was hanging around the house one afternoon. I wasn't doing nothing. I didn't feel like doing nothing. Just hanging around the house. I was hanging around the house one afternoon. I wasn't doing nothing. I didn't feel like doing nothing. Just hanging around the house. I said to myself, what are you doing, John? I just hanging around the house. I wasn't doing nothing. I started listening to the radio. Radio. All of a sudden, the guy in the radio started talking to me. He said, you're the winner. I said, who? He said, you. I said, me? He said, yeah. I said, Do you know what my number is? He said, the win number is 3970605280470926058 <laughs> 8 1905 33 74 Six I said, Holy smoke, that's me.
0: But another very successful, and I, I love talking about this, I, I love. Um, another very successful Irish comedian was a guy named Brendan O'Carroll. He played Agnes Brown, cross-dressing, of course, on television, on Mrs. Brown's Boys. He was hilarious. And I want to play a strip. I want to play a clip from him now uh, as Mrs. Agnes, as... I want to play a clip from him now as Agnes Brown, the Dublin matriarch. Now, Tom, you've been to Ireland, and we talked about that earlier. What would you tell people who are thinking about going to Ireland? Well, first of all, don't
1: go for the food. (laughs) Second of all, be prepared to meet as many countries as our visitors, the nicest people you will meet in the world, the people with the biggest hearts, the most sincere the countryside is magnificent, and you can see where they got their softness. So, but just be prepared for some really mystical experiences, so, so watching the old castles and understanding all of the things that are that Celtic culture that just we've inherited so much of. So, you said something that we have
0: to talk about. Comedy comes from what? Comedy comes from tragedy. Exactly. Right. And that's probably why there are so many funny Irish comedians out there. We can't let those spirits die of these people who are really
1: trailblazing what we do now. And that's what amazed me is that, you know, without music, standing by themselves, using their voices as instruments and their wit, And all of the other things that they learned, the body language, the inflections, the facial expressions, to blend all of that into something that takes an audience at rest and brings them, reduces them. We could go on and on and on in this. I mean, stop and think about in this country, the
0: wealth of Irish comedians, Colin Quinn, Conan O'Brien, Dennis Leary, Jimmy Fallon, George Carlin, Bill Murray. The list goes on. Yeah. On and on and on. Exactly. This has been a great podcast. We could go on and on and on about this. Which bit, who would you like to think about as uh, as we go out of this podcast? Well, I think um, you have to pay homage to uh, Billy
1: Connolly, I think. <laughs>
0: Billy Connolly is another brilliant Irish comedian who really taught us all about how to weave a great story. And I think you and I have that same thing, is that you don't make a person laugh unless you can set them up with a great story. Exactly.
1: I'm amazed at the quality of BBC productions versus Hollywood. And this is an island that produced Keats and Yates and Shakespeare. They created
0: beautiful language. So let's end today's great podcast of comedy from the Irish comedians with Billy Connolly's bit here.
4: I'll tell you, I met Fun. a man called Hector Nicol, who is one of my heroes. He's a Scottish comedian and he's he's a very old-fashioned comedian. And I mean that in the nicest way. He, he looks like someone from the past. And we were talking about jokes and he has started to resurrect jokes. He said, it's really weird, Billy, because he's been 50 years a comedian, this man. And he said, it's some of my old stuff. He said, it's gone down really well. He said, stuff I was telling him when I was a boy. And I said, tell me. And he told me this joke and I've been howling all week. I'm sitting in aeroplanes and I burst out laughing. He said it was uh, there was um, a signal man in British Railways, right? The, the signal operator in his little shed. In, in Highland somewhere. And he decided he, he would like a bit of promotion, you know? And don't panic, this isn't a dirty one. Pan-
5: <laughs> <laughs> this is live
4: television game. <laughs> I, was, I was talking <laughs> I'm sorry. No, this, the reason I love it is it's so old fashioned and yeah. clean, the way, the way these end of the pier comedians used to be. But it's great. So he says, this wee guy, he wants a bit of promotion, so we wrote off to British Rail and they wrote back and sent a guy up He said you have to do the the signal man's eh, examination. He says, oh, right, fine. He says, well, here's your first question. He says, supposing you're in your signal box and two trains are heading towards each other on the same line. What do you do? He says, oh, I dash over there to my emergency lever, pull it straight back, thereby activating the signals. He said, but what if you get there and you find it's completely jammed, immovable? Oh, in that case, I would rush out the signal box, dash along the line to the manually operated points and deftly pull back the (laughs) manually operated point. What if the manually operated point had been struck by lightning and it was totally immovable? In that case, I would dash back to my signal box. Up there, press the electronically operated button that would put all the signals to emergency on position. What if the signal box was on fire? Well, he says, in that case, I dash down the road (laughs) and get my Uncle Alistair. He said, why? He said, he's never seen a train crash.
0: On behalf of Wicked Laughs, part of Wicked Yankee TV, I'm your host, Bucky Lewis, for this week with my great special, <laughs> and I don't mean that lightly, <laughs> co host, Tom Hayes, making sure that you folks can laugh. All right, everybody have fun and be safe and be happy. On the shores of Lake Guttapee here in New Hampshire, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs>